This is the Protect Help Give Show with J.M. Ryerson. What is happening, you guys? Welcome back to Protect Help Give Podcast. I have a very special guest today, and I'm shocked I have not had her on. Lisa Ryerson is the co-founder of Let's Go Win and RVP at Appreciation Financial. She has been in the financial industry for over seven years. She was Rookie of the Year at Appreciation Financial in 2015 and the first female to be inducted into the 50K a month club. She's also one of two people to be in the Centurion Club, She founded Let's Go Win because she really wanted to help entrepreneurs and athletes transcend in life. The legacy that she is committed to leaving is philanthropy. Her future goal is to raise $5 million for cancer research. She's married with two amazing sons. She loves to travel, laugh, and give back. What is happening? I cannot believe I never wrangled you into a podcast. (laughs) I know. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. So... You're married to a pretty awesome dude, is my understanding. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, no, he is pretty awesome. <laughs> so it, we were at lunch the other day, and this is when it hit me. I'm like, Lisa literally hasn't done a podcast, and you were helping train a current agent, and I was like, what? So I went through and noticed he hadn't done it. How in the world did I not get you on earlier? I don't know. That's a really good question because you see me almost. Every single day. Well, and by the way, (laughs) you are responsible for booking. So let's just go ahead and put that out there that you didn't book yourself. So you know what? I'm going to give myself a pass and I'm going to give you a hard time for not doing it until now. I was trying to get everybody else on there. We have such amazing guests on this show. We do. We do. But you know what? You, um, Let's just start with the story because, you know, again, I know the story, obviously, but you coming into the industry had zero experience. I told you very little about what I had done for so many years. Go ahead. Just go, start with kind of how in the heck did you even get into financial <laughs> services? Well, I, I kind of fell into it. It was, um, gosh, let's see here. Back in 2013, you had come home one day and said, hey, are you ready to go back to work? And I said, well, no. I mean, I had a great life. Trust me. I have a great life now. Don't get me wrong. But uh, our youngest, Trey, was three years old, and I was going to wait till he went to school full-time, you know, kindergarten, before I went back to work full-time. I was teaching tennis part-time. I was going out to lunches with my girlfriends. It was awesome. And, And I said, well, I'm not really ready to go back to work. And you're like, you know what? I just need you to talk to Terry, who is the CEO of Appreciation Financial, and let's just talk about it, see what's going on. And after that dinner that we had with Terry and Amanda, it just dawned on me. I go, gosh, this is the most amazing opportunity. I can't not give it a shot. Um, I make my own schedule. Sky's the limit to how much I can make. I can work around my kid's schedule, which is great because that was what I was most worried about. You know, first and foremost, I am a mom. And uh, yeah, so I dive right into it in 2014, I think January, I got licensed and yeah, rest is history. You know, it's interesting. I'm thinking, I'm reflecting, you know, I, so my, when I first started in the financial industry, I actually brought Lisa on our second interview, which we'll talk about because this is a lost form 
that I think people need to get back to. And that is bringing spouses or significant others into the interview. But my point is you tried to steal my job from me. (laughs) I may have. (laughs) I remember that. How I didn't think of putting you into the industry after that. That's a, that's a mistake on my end. (laughs) So let's, let's talk about it because one of the things that you came into, I remember very vividly, you said, can I make six figures? And I had a very visceral, maybe not the kindest response from a spouse, but what did I say? You said, well, if you don't make six figures in your first year, you will have failed miserably. I don't know if I said miserably, but. Pretty sure those were the exact words. It's been ingrained in my brain for the last seven years. (laughs) So what's interesting about that, and I say this very, because you watched me for many years do I mean, six figures was my first year and that was, I don't know how many years in, but it was over a decade of that. But it was interesting because I think people struggle with this idea, right? It's kind of that W2 mentality bringing into, and you watch your parents, you know, be entrepreneurs and very successful at that. But to those that maybe come in with those, those restricted mindset, the limiting beliefs, Tell me, t- tell us how you overcame it and then talk about your rookie of the year, because it, it was at the time you broke all the records. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it was, you know, I would have to say I'm very, I was very fortunate because you were the, um, breadwinner. You still are the breadwinner. Congratulations at the time. And I don't so- want to be, you take it. I don't need it. <laughs> but there wasn't the pressure, I guess, of having to make money besides the fact that you said I would fail miserably and I don't want to fail miserably. And I wanted to prove something. Um, cause at the time I, you know, I have very amazing girlfriends and all of them made well over six figures. You know, this is like almost 10 years ago. And I just remember as a stay at home mom going, gosh, that'd be really cool because the closest I ever got to that before was 70 grand. And that was selling cars at enterprise rent a car. And I had to bust my hump to get to that. Right. And so for me, it was, um, just something was kind of like, can I do it? It's a belief system. And it just, I just had to dive in really at the, you know, at the time it was like, okay, yeah, there's going to be fears. There's going to be reservations. There's going to be anxiety. There's going to be sleepless nights, but what am I going to do? You just have to keep on pushing forward. And I feel like, you know, faster I fail, faster I was able to move on. Yeah. I have a few questions from that because I remember the time and I, I want to make sure we get some of these out there. Something also happened to you. You went to the first uh, convention at the time and it, it was a smaller venue than it, it has turned mm-hmm. into, but you had a moment where you're like, and it's not a slight to the human being that was number one at the time, but you said, if they can do it, then I can do it. Was that kind of the idea? Yeah. And um, Chris Antonopoulos, I love him. He's a sweetheart. And, you know, he was the reigning. I mean, he pushed appreciation forward. He was their everything right at the time. And and he still is. He's a very integral part of appreciation. Um, And I just remember, and no, he's an amazing human, but I just remember going, well, he's not a superhero, right? Like none of us are superheroes. But I just remember going, gosh, he's doing all these amazing things and he's helping all these people. And yeah, it was like, shoot, if he can do it, I can definitely do this, right? And I feel and I feel like a lot of people in this industry and especially in our company, they look at me and they say the same thing. 
you know? So I think that's great. It's kind of like, it's not rocket science. You just have to work hard. And that's exactly what Chris did. He worked his booty off. I mean, tons and tons of hours and just killed it. Yeah, no doubt about it. And talk about your rookie uh, year because it wasn't exactly smooth sailing, (laughs) especially the first, I don't know, four or five, maybe as longer months. So I want to, because you probably won't say it. How much did you make your first year? Because I'll me- I mess it up all the time. By the way, sorry. One hundred and sixty-six. Okay, one sixty-six, and obviously that was far greater than your own expectations when you started. But you, um, and the first four to five months was pretty miserable for you. It was brutal, right? You remember that? I literally came home every day. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I had been put in charge to open up the third office. So we had an office in Vegas, San Diego, and I opened the third office in Sacramento. And I didn't get much help from you because you've been out of the, out of the field for so long. Um, you know, Terry would come up from Vegas. I had a lot of help from Gerardo a few months in. So he came up and helped me, which was great. But that first three months, I mean, it's a lot to learn, especially if you don't know the industry and it's drinking from a fire hose. And I remember um, Terry saying, you know what, just keep failing forward. And that has always been stuck in my brain. Okay, I know I'm failing, but I'm going to fail forward. And I knew that I was going to make mistakes after mistakes. And I mean, I was working quite a few hours and the kids, you know, I'd come, I'd work all day. I come home, we'd have dinner together. And then I worked till one, two in the morning because I had to learn all these things because I was, yes, I was going to continue to fail forward. And I knew I had to make it. So I would say I quit every single day, you know, but you knew that wasn't in my, uh, that's not my personality to quit ever. So I just kept on plunging forward. And I just remember specifically by month four, I woke up that morning and I had slept through the night for the first time in three months. And I was like, I get it. Like it just all clicked and it all fell into place. And it was wonderful after that, you know, and it, I mean, there's still challenges, right? Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of challenges throughout um, the last seven years, but I finally knew what I was doing and I felt confident and I went out and and it really was a mindset shift of what we do is so important, right? It's not about the sales. It's not about the money. It's not about all these things. It's truly about helping middle America and making sure that they retire with dignity. It absolutely is. And so that's your why in business. But I want you to talk about, because you said I wasn't going to quit. Your why, and I know what it is, but you have to tell the audience because I think that's going to resonate. Your why was stronger than working these crazy hours, working till literally guys, I, I would go to bed about 11 and she'd still be at the kitchen table. And you would be there late into the evening trying to be- get better at your craft. But what was your why? Um, at that time, mm-hmm. uh, my why was, well, one, the clients helping them, but two, it was really, I mean, you were not happy where you were right at the former company. And I just felt like if I can bring in, I, mean, I don't even know if that, that, that could barely pay our bills maybe, but, um, if I can bring in as you know, some money, then you would have the opportunity to go somewhere where that would make you happy. 
Yeah, guys, here's the deal. I was miserable. I hated every moment where I was at the time, and my wife stepped up to the plate. So her why was far greater than all these adversities, all these no's, because she was supporting our family. Ultimately, we probably wouldn't have made it much longer had I stayed in that position. And so your why was so strong. It's not about us, so we're clear. I don't care about the story. I mean, thank you for doing it, and I've been so happy since. But her why was so strong. Now, in April, something happened. You did wake up, but you did you made a shift, at least I remember, and you are known as kind of the referral queen, if you will. Can you talk about that process a little bit? Because I think, again, it wasn't smooth sailing in the beginning, but I remember you going through your phone. And I remember you not necessarily getting your friends or the family to to be clients, but you got referred a lot to other humans. Yeah. I mean, we ran into some challenges, you know, we're in the school market and that's our niche market. And, you know, I remember it was like the first day on the job, actually, um, we were going to go to Elk Grove Unified School District. Well, that district has a non-solicitation rule, which means we can't go on campus. And I went, oh, (laughs) where do we go from here? Like that's our biggest district. And so I reached out. I literally went through my Facebook page. I went through my phone and I found every teacher friend that I had and I messaged them. I texted them. I said, Hey, this is what I'm doing. You know, can, how can I help all of your friends? Like I'll, I'll do it to you first. You know, you'll be my Guinea pig. Can I use you as my Guinea pig to practice? Um, I'll show you what we do. And then let's set up a luncheon with all your friends or a happy hour. And that's what happened. And so, um, it just was kind of a snowball effect and it kept on going. And I would have to say if anybody had super, you know, if I had to choose one superpower that I have, um, is really building strong relationships because I truly care about people. And I truly, I mean, I love what I do and, um, and it was just building those relationships because the next thing you know, everybody was like, oh, can you help my friend? Can you help my husband? Can you do this outside the schools? And I mean, it just kept on going. So I want everybody to hear this for a second because, again, she goes to her warm market and they know her as a tennis coach or stay-at-home mom. So they're not necessarily comfortable with her dealing with their their you know finances and their retirement but they were comfortable with her as a human being referring them out. Now, many of them ended up becoming clients of yours, Mm -hmm. um, but I want people to hear that. It's not like you're going to open it up and people are all of a sudden going to love you, right? right? Especially if they knew you as a truck driver or uh, a server or whatever your profession was prior. That's okay, but they trust you enough to send you to other people. Um, The other thing that you do that's really unique is your marketing. Can you talk about some of the things that I naturally am terrible with, but you are so thoughtful with, you know, holidays and you said you mentioned happy hours. I think this would be really helpful information for people to hear. And I know we're in the pandemic, so maybe you can't do it as much with Zoom, but you still, even with clients, you're still doing these kind of unique things that help people. Yeah. I mean, I, my love language is gift giving. If anybody knows me, I just love no matter how small the gift or big the gift, it doesn't matter. I love to show people that I'm thinking about them. And every single time I'm out, you know, I have this one client that, um, for example, loves owls. I don't know. I still remember that to this day. So every single time I go and I see something that has an owl on it, I'll just pick it up for her. Right. And I'll send it to her or I'll drop it off at her school. But 
it was every holiday, not every holiday, but most holidays, right? So Easter, it would be a little Easter thing that I'd drop off. It has to be small enough to put into all the boxes, the teacher's boxes at school. Um, I would send flowers. I would, when I had teachers that retired, I would send them a fruit, um, what are they called? A fruit basket of sorts, but it was like a fancy fruit basket. I don't know, we had in California. And so it's just these little things because I really do care about them. And what they do is so important. I mean, they're raising the future of America, right? These are children that they're literally raising and teaching on a daily basis. And they don't make the money that they deserve to make. And so I would do a lot of give backs, um, you know, school supplies, whatever. But it was all for me. I worked really hard at my job to be able to give back um, into the schools. So a lot of the money, you know, a lot of the proceeds went back. Yeah. And, and actually you had a specific amount, I think that you would always make sure. And so 166,000, you had, how much did you make sure to give back that year? 16,600. It was always 10%. Yeah. So I, I want people to hear this because it's reinvesting in your business. It's not a cost. It's not an expense. It's literally a reinvestment and you get to give back. I think it's so key. So Obviously, seasons of life changes, and now we're kind of busy with let's go win, and you do so much of that, so you've kind of gone away from this. But what's your biggest challenge today? It's pretty unique. I want people to hear this. Your biggest challenge today, not really being that active at at appreciation. Yeah, I I get phone calls. I get a lot of phone calls every day from California. I get text messages at 11 o'clock at night sometimes. And I'm like, remember, I moved to Florida. Um, And I have clients still, you know, going, hey, can you help so-and-so, right? I'm still getting referrals and people that, and a lot of times, I mean, I'd be happily to give them out to other people. But because I've built those relationships for seven years, they're like, no, we want you. I'm like, all right, I will take care of it. Yeah. So by fostering these relationships, I I don't know, what'd you make 70 some odd grand last year without really doing new sales? Yeah, it was like 75. Yeah. I hope people are hearing this because that's why you want to service your clients. That's why every single year you are making sure to send them something, check in with them. Do you have any suggestions for policy reviews? Because I think after year one, I don't think you really did any marketing that I'm aware of. I mean, I still would have happy hour, but I stuck in the same schools, right? I kept those same relationships and those schools had new teachers coming in and I had enough referrals. I mean, I didn't do any active, I guess. I mean, I was still servicing and bringing lunch and doing all those things. Um, As far as, I'm sorry, your question again was how do I? Just policy reviews in general. Yeah. Yeah. So we now have a CRM, which is phenomenal. Um, But when I was here in the ice ages, there was no CRM. And so I had to make my own CRM and I still kind of use that to this day is every month I send out a mass email for all my clients. So let's say we are now in March. I send out all of my March clients from the last seven years, because I have them all saved in, you know, my, uh, my laptop and I'll send them, Hey, it's time for your yearly policy reveal. And great. Cause I promised them in the get go, we are going to meet every single year. Now, some clients will text back and go, Hey, I'm really busy. Everything's good. I'm totally good. Can you do this next year? Great. No problem. But some clients, I mean, I have quite a few clients that are every single year 
And they just love, I mean, we love to catch up too. So the policy review is not really, I mean, we'll go over their policy, but a lot of times it's just catch up. How are your kids? How are your grandkids? You know, what's going on in your world? Because they've become friends. Yeah. And I want to, because the one thing you do, you and Becker have this very unique quality in the beginning of your appointments. And it's something that I want everybody to hear before we move on to leadership and to recruiting and whatnot. But one thing that you and Becker do is you, you, and maybe you can just kind of maybe even role play or sh- what do you do in the first appointment? Cause it's different than just a script. Right. So now it's a little different because it's, you know, zoom. But when I was in the school, it was, I didn't even realize I was doing this until somebody was asking me, right. The same question. I go, what do I do in this scenario? And innately, but I think I do it regardless if it's meeting with a teacher or a client, I think I do this with anybody. Like I could go into a neighbor's house and I'm scanning the room, right? And I'm looking, oh my gosh, look how beautiful this painting is. Where'd you get that? Oh, you've been to Paris. We went there, you know, and it's just my way of connecting with other humans. And so when we were in meeting with clients, whether it's in the home or in the school, I was scanning, checking out their stuff, right? So I would see, okay, they're a, um, let's say they're a Packer fan. No way. You would not believe how many Packer fans clients I have, by the way. (laughs) And I'm like, no way. Well, I'm a Packer fan by marriage. I mean, I was forced into it, right? Because you were born in Wisconsin. So we kind of go down that whole story and it's, it's just great to connect with people. And so just scanning and making sure you're connecting because they're another human being. And I truly, genuinely want to know about their kids, right? If I see pictures of their kids in frames, all of a sudden, oh my gosh, how old are your kids? My kids are this, you know, what sports do they play? And we just go down this whole path of getting to know each other. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. It's connecting. Guys, if you don't take anything else away from, I want you to hear this very loud and clear. The one and only goal you have when you meet with someone is to connect with them human being to human being. John Becker is one of the best at it. Lisa, you're very good at it and in the business, and you are still very good at it in life. Connect with human beings. They, When they like you, when they trust you, they will do business with you. So if you don't get anything else, hear that very loud and clear. I got to stay just because there's one other thing that you do very, very well that is a challenge for a lot of salespeople. And that's just the paperwork organization. Do you have some thoughts? Because you're very type A. I am not. However, uh, what are some thoughts for people that maybe don't have those organization skills? Because some of the most frustrating things in this business is to write business and it not to go paid. You're not helping the client and you're not helping yourself. So you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, you know, Gerardo Garcia was phenomenal (laughs) at this and he totally taught me how to do because as OCD as I am and organized, paperwork was daunting to me, right? That was something that I dreaded doing. So I actually had paid Gerardo in dinners and lunches by doing my paperwork for me. So um, until I learned how to do it. And then I totally love doing paperwork, not love, but that's probably a strong word, but I didn't mind it, you know, all these years. Um, If it's something that you truly, truly cannot stand, Hire someone to do it for you, right? I mean, spend your time where you're good at, right? If you're good at sales and being in front of people and connecting with people, focus on that. And, you know, you're going to get so much return that you can hire somebody to do your paperwork for you. Yeah. And we've heard this from Duncan a couple episodes ago. It's probably what Mike's superpower is. 
if he doesn't like something, he outsources. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're talking about is because it allows you, it frees you up both mentally and, um, yeah, mentally really, and your time to do the things you're good at and the things you love. Let's talk about mentality just because, uh, again, we shifted your mindset early in your career, but going in and, and to really succeed, what, how clear and how, how do you get your mind in a good place so that you can really be your very best? How did you do that before appointments? Yeah. You talk about triggers a lot, right? And I really, you know, I had to think about this one because you've asked me this before and I'm like, I don't really have a trigger, but I, but I do like it's a inside mental trigger. Like I think, I mean, regardless if I had a tough appointment, the appointment before or had a tough day or the kids, whatever it may be, um, right before I go into an appointment, I literally mentally go, okay, let's go rock and roll. Right. And I'd smile and regardless of sometimes that smile was very forced, um, in the car, but I, it was kind of just like, all right, Lisa, we gotta, we gotta get your peppy personality because it's not about you. Like, yeah, your day totally sucked, but guess what? This client deserves a hundred percent of you. And I have to go in there and be excited for them and help them in the best way I can. Because if I bring my baggage into it, you know, my baggage, let's say I had a client before that was just nasty or whatever, like they had a bad day. I can't bring that negative baggage in with me to the next person. That wouldn't be fair to them. Okay. There's the second one. You got to take away. It's not about you (laughs) hear this loud and clear. And, and so much of what you said is it happens, right? You had a flat tire. Uh, somehow I irritated you in the morning, which I don't know how it's possible, but apparently (laughs) I do. And, but you can't take that into the next appointment. Um, so, so key. Oh man, where do I go from this? I, I, you know, I want to talk about the, the leadership part, because one of the things I did to you, I knew guys, when I say, if you don't make six figures, you would have failed miserably. I guarantee I did say that exactly that way, (laughs) because you have to know how to motivate and push your agents. Do you have any thoughts to that? Because you, it's not always a pat on the back. Sometimes it's a pretty good nudge or push to really get them to perform. Yeah. I mean, I struggled, um, with leadership for many years, right? That, that was challenging for me. Um, I've had a lot of amazing agents come and go and it really is learning how, you know, each person's different and how to push them. And from the first many years, I didn't push people the right way. Right. And then they would get upset or, you know, whatever it was, they'd leave. Um, but it really is finding that, you know, I had one agent that she needed, the tough talkings too. She needed a little fire under her butt. She needed me to be completely honest with her. And the next thing you know, she'd go rocket, right? And then if she fall off the wagon again, then we'd have to go through the same sign dance. Some other agents need coddling. They need a lot of EPR. They need a lot of like, hey, let's go. Like you got this and confidence building, you know, and it's just really reading your agents and knowing exactly what they need. Yeah, guys, this is the part that is tricky, but you have to spend the time and really get to know them. I knew my wife pretty well to know that if I tell her she can't do something or if she didn't do this, it would. I knew that's what's going to work with her versus saying, oh, yeah, you, sh- you can. No, I needed to push her. Otherwise, 
you could have rested on your laurels. Mm -hmm. The other thing, you're very competitive. So being number one was pretty important to you at that time, right? Mm -hmm. And again, there's seasons of change. Um, I know what I was going to ask you before. Kids policies and insurance. That is something you're pretty passionate about. It's something that you probably... I think I've done as well as anybody, maybe you, Jen Johnson, there's, there's a couple of you that are really good with this. Why kids policies? Why is that important? Yeah. Kids policies are so important. I mean, we had, I didn't know about kid policy. I didn't know about IUOLs until seven years ago. Right. And so when I found out about it, I said, Oh my gosh, this is the most amazing thing in the world. Like everybody needs to have it. And the backstory to that is because my brother did not believe in life insurance. Okay. And you had been in the industry for so long. And I kept on telling him every single year I'd see him. And I said, you know, you need to get life insurance. And he goes, I'm not going anywhere. I'm so young. I'm healthy. I'm not going anywhere. Everyone's fine. And I think probably after like four years of just me, like every single time I'm on the phone, I'm like, have you gotten your life insurance policy yet? And I wasn't even in the business at the time. I just wanted him to be protected. I wanted his family to be protected. And he finally got it. Well, he got some, you know, cheap term policy or something, which totally worked. And a year later, he was diagnosed with stage four esophageal cancer. And I just remember going, oh, my gosh, thank God. You know, thank goodness you got that policy. Because now he had two daughters in college, um, a daughter still in high school. And I go, that just helped my sister-in-law so much. I mean, he passed away, right, a few months after that. And, I mean, I just remember going, gosh, Thank goodness, because now they're protected. College, you know, the college funds are or the colleges are taken care of, the tuition's taken care of. Um, and my sister-in-law can grieve properly. The girls can grieve properly. And so it's really important. And so when I started um in the industry, that was really important for me. And then when I figured out, oh, you can do these on babies and children, and we got for my kids, and it's a gift of life. It's not the life insurance part of it, you know, that I'm not worried about for my kiddos. Um, it's more of setting them up for the future. It is amazing. If you put away just a hundred dollars a month for your kids every single month into an IUL, the rate of growth on that. And by the time they hit 60, like they're set and then they take it over. Right. So what I'm doing with our kids is we've been saving into it, saving into it. And then, you know, when they graduate from college, we can take a loan against it. We can withdraw money from it, pay off their student loans if they have any. If not, they have all this money in there and then they get a job and they start paying into it. And that policy is so inexpensive and now they're set for life. They're truly incredible. Yeah. And guys, I promise you, I didn't tell her any of this stuff because I really wasn't in the field for a long, long time. <laughs> you have no idea what it is. <laughs> fair. I do want to talk about uh, being a spouse in the industry because you wore that hat for so many years. I want to say for at least a solid decade or more, you mm -hmm. wore that hat. For those spouses listening to this, because look, you're entering a 1099 world. That can be scary, especially if you have kids, especially if you have a mortgage. This can be a frightening moment. What would be the best suggestion that you have? Oh, and don't let me forget the the, the spouses on the interview, but what be, would be your best suggestion to these spouses to really support and understand what they're going through and how to best support them? Yeah, it is. I remember when JM decided to take the leap of faith and do this, and I just knew in my heart that you were just going to make it. Like I trusted you in making this 
you know, leap of faith. And I would just say trust is a huge thing. Like trust your spouse that they are going to go kill it. And with your support, they will kill it. Right. So it's understanding that, yes, some days are going to be longer. Your spouse, he or she may not be home by dinner, but they are making those sacrifices. And as a spouse, you have to make those sacrifices as well. Right. So for many years, I mean, you were traveling every other week, um, you know, which I have gotten accustomed to. And then last year COVID hit and that was a whole nother story. I'm just kidding. Are you telling me to go travel right now? Is that what's <laughs> I, happening? I do. I'm like, ah, uh, you can go travel. It's totally fine. Um, so it's really just having the open dialogue with your spouse as well. Um, I know that we struggled through, you know, as much as I try to support you, we struggled, you know, for many years because the dialogue wasn't open. I didn't quite understand what you were doing or where you were going or why you had to extend another day to play golf with the guys, you know, that's a connection piece. And it wasn't until I got into the business seven years ago where I finally got it. Like I understood what you did and I understood why you needed to do these things. And so I had a great appreciation for that. But if I could go back, I wish I, we had more of that open dialogue. So then I understood. And so I think that's really important. Communication is huge as we both know. And, um, especially in this industry, it's very, very big. Like you need to on both sides, communicate what you're feeling, communicate what you're doing. And then that way both sides can support each other. That is true. Cause I mean, we had young kids, uh, through this experience. And so me traveling every other week for those spouses that are like, yeah, dude, not happening. Here's the beauty. You actually don't have to now because of COVID Mm -hmm. people are building teams around the country without having to hop on airplanes. That wasn't an option for me in our first. Well, shoot, even the first in appreciation, I was still flying a lot, Mm -hmm. building offices around the country, but to have that understanding, right? So many times we would have these arguments where it was like, you know, why are you working till, you know, blah, 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 hour, and it was we the why, right, for mm-hmm. the lifestyle, for some of the things that w- were important to us. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about the spouse on the interview because you were a spouse on – well, you weren't a spouse. Sorry, you were my girlfriend at the time. But you, I did invite you to it. This has been a lost art, and I've been trying to get it back in place. So maybe you can lend some some carnal knowledge that people can apply because I don't think – I would be as successful as, as as I was if I hadn't brought you to that first one. I don't even think I understood the opportunity because I didn't ask enough questions in that first one. So can you lend a little ear to this and maybe some, not an ear, but some advice to this? Yeah, it. I think it's so important to bring that spouse in because that is a ground level, right? During the interview, you are setting the foundation of that human's career with that company or not. Right. And so I remember going into that interview and I didn't know, I just got invited along. So I was like, sure, I'll come in. And I was asking the majority of the questions and I was really fired up because I go, is this opportunity for real? (laughs) Like, this is awesome. What do you mean you can make all this money? Because once again, we were both working at Enterprise at the time, you know, and I think once again, I was in car sales, like 70, 75 grand. I think you were probably about the same as a manager. Um, and on the rental side. And so when we were throwing out these numbers, I'm like, what do you mean you can make your own schedule? <laughs> what do you mean you can do all these things? And, but it also gave me an understanding of what you, what it was going to look like, right? What your schedule was going to look like. And I remember if I wasn't in that interview, I don't think I would have had as much understanding because there was many nights. I mean, we were dating and there was many nights where, you know, we didn't see each other 
all that often, I guess, because we were both really busy. But you're like, oh, I have to go uh, deliver this policy in Vacaville, which is like an hour away or whatever. You want to come with me? Sure. So I'd hop in the car with you. We drive down. We chat. You go deliver the policy. I'd sit in the car for a minute, you know, maybe half an hour. You come back and then we go to dinner and then we drive home. Right. And we had to make it work. And so I understood that. I understood the sacrifices that you had to make. Yeah. I I hope you guys share this episode with your spouse because uh, you have to understand at the time I was working a full-time job and transitioning over. So my hours of work were from basically it was seven to like nine. I could call and then I could do prep until like 10 or 11. Mm -hmm. I think people maybe lost that perspective that that's just what it was. That's Mm -hmm. how you transitioned in. But it made sense to you and it was worth that transition because again, I wasn't real pleased at enterprise. So I was looking for that, but I didn't ask the right questions. All I heard is you can golf every Friday and make as much money as you want. And I said, sign me up. Lisa actually asked the important questions. Like how long is this going to look like? You know, what does he need to do? And so we were a team in this effort, even before we were married, it was a team effort. Mm-hmm. And I want to add on to that because the roles kind of reversed per se. I mean, not really reversed, but when I started appreciation seven years ago and I was working all those hours, like you literally, I mean, you know, you worked obviously, but you had the flexibility to where, to allow me to thrive and to do what I needed to do. And you took care of the kiddos and they were little at the time. So I remember that because if you didn't do that, I wouldn't have been able to start you know, my career in this industry. Let's be clear. It's not like you were changing diapers anyway. I mean, True. That is a very, <laughs> I don't like changing diapers. You didn't. So no, no problem. No. Um, I want to talk about failure and you mentioned it earlier that fail forward or fail forward fast. I can't remember the exact, but how do you deal with failure? Cause that's one thing maybe we don't do a great job of in the interview is to say, look, Guess what you're signing up for? You're going to get your ass kicked for a while. Congratulations. It's just what it is. Unless you just, you were born a life insurance or annuity (laughs) prodigy, which I don't think I've ever met one, but um, how do you deal with failure? Yeah, I actually embrace it. I know that sounds really weird, um, but I'm always like, okay, faster I fail. I know I'm that much closer to succeeding, right? You can only fail for so long. Right. Unless you just like failing, then you could stay there forever. But I felt like every mistake I made. Okay, cool. I learned that mistake. I'm not going to do that one again. I mean, and then the next mistake and the next mistake. And so to me, it was like, sweet. Got that done with. All right. Had another new sale. Great. I learned from that one. I'm not, I'm going to continue to move forward. And I just, I embrace it a lot of times. I mean, it doesn't feel good. I'm not saying that it's like the greatest feeling in the world to fail, right? Nobody really likes it. But I always tell my agents, like, the faster you fail, the faster you're going to grow and succeed. So I'm, I'm getting my questions formulated in my head because we're getting towards the end here. I want to talk about your first year, the 166. And I really want to talk about Because after that, then you went to 260-some the next year. Like, Mm -hmm. your trajectory was quite high. But that's not what I want to focus on. I want to focus on your first year. Because the first four or five months, how much did you make? Talk about that. Because I want to inspire some folks right now that are, like, in the doldrums. They are just, like, I can't do this. Because that's 
where you were almost daily for the first few months. Yeah. So do you remember that? Uh-huh, I do. I remember going, I mean, I didn't get a paycheck, I don't think, until my 60 days. Like, I didn't write a piece of business until, say, 30. And that was to a friend of mine. <laughs> and he took the leap of faith, and it was really nice. Um, but it was 40. It was 40 grand my first six months. I remember that because I went, oh, my goodness, if I've only made 40 grand in my first six months, I'm not. I'm going to fail. My husband says so. Like, because <laughs> if I go 40 times 40 or 40 t- plus 40, I'm only going to be at 80,000 and I'm going to fail because that's not six figures. But I always say this business is so front loaded. Like you have to put in so much blood, sweat and tears in the very beginning. And trust me when I say, and then it's just a snowball effect. And the next thing you know, you know, it just rolls in. And it's always been that way. Like, I mean, even after, I mean, it hasn't always been like 40 grand the first six months, but my lat, the second part of the year is always bigger for me than the first part of the year. Hmm. And we didn't talk about, I mean, I said Centurion Club, but explain what that is and how did you do it? Because it's pretty cool. Okay. So the Centurion Club, which Jennifer Johnson was the original, she was the first um, person to hit it, is $100,000 in a month. So $100,000 of commissions in one month. And I just, I'm so thankful for many people in this, um, in this business and in our company. Uh, but Jen Johnson is one of them because I truly believe we pushed each other and it was a very friendly competition, but we pushed each other. And the second she hit it, I want to say she hit it in like July. Um, I don't remember the year. And I just went, wait a minute, I need to hit that. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to beat it. Right. And so that's my competitive nature from, you know, playing collegiate sports. And I pushed really hard. Um, it was just really, it's a lot of timing, right. But it was really a lot of, um, you know, really pouring into my people and I don't, I don't know. I, I can't explain like exactly what shook down. It was a while ago, but it was a lot of, a lot of business in one short period of time. Yeah. I mean, I remember you hustled, you, your referrals were on point and you got to get a little lucky. I mean, that's just Mm -hmm. for it all to fall the way it is, but I want people to hear this because we talk about the 50 K we rarely mention the, the Centurion club guys, you can make 200 grand in a month. You absolutely can. Don't set the, your limitations. And that's one thing I'm also getting from this podcast. And it's reminding me I remember my, not Chris Antonopoulos, but my David A, I won't say his full name because John might kill me, but he was the superstar. And I remember doing my goals and I put it just below his. And I, I remember handing it to my manager and he said, uh, come back with a real number because mine was too high. Mine was 180,000 was my thing. And I actually ended up doing 366, not a thousand of, of, of our premium was slightly different but 366,000 of life insurance, which nobody had done, double what my leader at the time said I could. All right, getting back to you really fast, and this will be the final question. I'm just going to open it up. What should I ask, or what do you want to leave the audience with? Because you haven't been on yet. You've been on all, you've been a spouse, you've been a producer, you've been, you know, you've really worn every hat. What do you want to leave them with? Well, this is one of my favorite questions to ask, and it's going to be a little out there. But for those of you who know me, you know this very well. I one of my favorite questions is, but did you die? (laughs) Like that is my favorite. And the reason being is because I feel like a lot of people 
don't hit their goals or they don't get to where they want to be because they're fearful, right? Fear is stopping them. Fear is stopping them maybe from supporting their spouse fully. Fear is stopping them from hitting six figures. Fear is, you know, there's fear. We all have fear in our, in our life. And if you can just stop when you're in that fearful moment and just go, what's the worst that can possibly happen? Am I going to die? No, I'm not. I feel like death is like probably the most fearful thing. Although they say speaking it on stage is the most fearful thing, but to me dying is fearful. Um, and it's like, well, if you're not going to die, then go for it. Cause what's the worst thing that can happen? A client's going to tell you, no, I'm not going to do business with you. Right. Or, you know, whatever it may be, it's not that serious. So just be confident like push through your fears. And I promise you it's, it's a lot of hard work. You have to be ready to work hard, but you will make it. Well, I guess if that's the third to. thing, <laughs> but did you die? <laughs> so where can, where can they connect with you online? If they want to ask you some questions, just, you know, cause I, again, I saw you at lunch helping this person and I was reminded how much knowledge you have in there that maybe you haven't been sharing. So where can they connect with you? Yeah, email me anytime at lryerson, L-R-Y-E-R-S-O-N, at appreciationfinancial.com. So just email. If you're on Facebook, message me, whatever, but we can always get on phone call. I love talking to agents and helping get through because I remember the challenges that I went through. And I don't, you know, if I can alleviate any of that, <laughs> that yeah. would make me very happy. And maybe that is the last thing to leave with is guys, you, you need support. I don't care if you're a superstar, you need to, you absolutely need that support because you're going to have great days. You're going to have bad days. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean by you. You've seen it all. You've gone through it. And, uh, that's one thing you and I have had each other is like, nah, you got it. Don't worry about it. You know, whatever. Thank you. For doing this. This was fun. And I got to do a live podcast. Oh my gosh. Can the world open up so we can do more of these? <laughs> it's way more fun to see people face to face than on a Zoom. Not nothing wrong with Zoom, but this is fun. So thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. All right, you guys, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I knew these stories, but I wanted you to hear them because it was inspiring to watch, be a part of, and really watch her go from being a spouse to top producer to then back in the supporting role again. And I think you guys can get a bunch from it. So you guys continue getting better every day. Until next time, we'll talk to you then. Thank you for listening. If this content is delivering value to you, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us. Our goal is to help a lot of people create life-changing wealth and get better every day. For more information or comments, please reach me at jryerson at appreciationfinancial.com or connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Let's Go Win 365. Keep growing and we'll see you next time. This is the Protect Help Give Show with J.M. Ryerson.